What's up, my brothers and sisters? Welcome to the Fireground Fitness Podcast, where we talk about all things pertaining to life on and off the fireground. The views and the opinions are those of your host and our guest. Today, we're sitting down with Mike O'Neill, fantastic dude, former Marine. I will leave it at that. Uh, Take a listen and enjoy. Do me a favor. Give me like a... I don't know. Name, rank, serial number, and uh, I'm name, just, rank, serial number. I'm gonna just adjust your audio levels here. Okay, Mike O'Neill, Battalion Chief, OM four zero four two, Oscar Mike. Yes. Okay, I have to tell you a story about Oscar Mike. So Oscar Mike is one of my favorite Marine Corps expressions. Oh, you saw my license plate, right? Does it say Oscar Mike on it? Yeah. Hell yeah. I mean, for you, it's Mike O'Neill. Like, it's way closer to home. But for me, it just takes me back to my days. Marine Cornet, okay? (laughs) We go to a family function over Thanksgiving, and one of my young nieces is dating a Marine. Good boy. Yeah, he's out. He's out now. (laughs) But she thinks it's all fun and games, and she's like, I'm going to use that expression. So she comes in, and she tells him, I'm Oscar Mike. And he's like, what are you saying? Exactly my thoughts. Exactly. <laughs> I go, what are you saying? So she tells me this. She goes, yeah. He says, so she explains to him, well, this is what my uncle says. I mean, it's what it means. And he's like, oh, that's old Marine Corps stuff. Yeah, you're that's right. That's what the it old is. guys say. That's what the old guys say. And, um, and I go, well, what, are the, what do the new guys say? Well, they say we're en route. <laughs> Dumb. I'm like, dude. That's way too literal. <laughs> That's stupid. The purpose of Oscar Mike is so they don't know you're in route. Yeah. If you get on the radio and say, I'm in route. Yeah, now we're the, moving. Now the enemy knows you're in route. Yeah. Dumb. No, I mean. What was like, his MOS? He's a grunt. Oh, man. I know. Times have changed. <laughs> you just come in here and tear my soul out like that <laughs> at my own property? <laughs> no, that's what we said. Oscar Mike. We're Oscar Mike. And that's where it came from for me. And then I don't like I don't go to Sedona, you know, play with crystals or anything. But like the numbers sometime, and you know, um, you know, you get your RMS number and it's OM four zero four two. And I'm like, okay, OM Oscar Mike. Well, my saw gunner, his name was Oscar, and I was Mike. And uh, dumb and dumber. (laughs) Yeah, no, it's and then four zero four two. Pat Tillman's pro number in college. Like, dude, just yeah, nerd out. Yeah, you're drawing some deep threads there, dude. Connecting the connecting all the lines. Everything in the happens for a reason, dude. <laughs> I love it. Just like this. I love it. Well, hey. So speaking of which, uh, thank you for you're one of my favorite people on the planet. Oh, stop it, dude. Thank you for sitting down and and podcasting with me. And, dude, uh, I'm, this is the pleasure and honor is all mine, man. Like I've been following you for a long time and and listening to this stuff and. You, uh, you're one of the guys that uh, gets it. So, dude, it just, it's, it's awesome, dude. Well, thanks and for being here. You've been one of my um, mentors and role models over the years, and with the special operations and everything. So, I know I can always call you when I got a question. And so, yeah, yeah it's well, all. We'll have to talk about your life choices. <laughs> <laughs> so, <laughs> hey, so uh, thank you for doing this as i already said and i um it's uh it's always a pleasure to sit down with a former marine 
so many times we sit down with, uh, I've sat down with so many other service members and it just doesn't feel right, man. <laughs> it's just not right. Yeah. That's why they get Veterans Day. We get the Marine Corps birthday, they get Veterans Day. That's right. right. They, they, they are very close together and people often convolute those things is not right. Yeah. No. Not okay. Get it right. Yeah. <laughs> so let's talk about that for a minute. So you were, uh, where'd you, where did you serve exactly? So, um, straight out of school of infantry, I went to, uh, first light armored reconnaissance was an LAV scout camp Pendleton. Um, you a Hollywood Marine to begin with. Oh yeah, definitely yeah. a Hollywood Marine. Um, bugs on the East coast don't fit well with no, me. Not yeah, interested. No <laughs> sand fleas. No, I'm out. My, uh, so my favorite memory coming out of, out of San Diego was standing on the quarter deck and watching the planes come in and planes leave. Oh yeah. You know, and I I was a short bus ride from my house, you know, you know, hour hat, two hours up the highway. But for some of these kids, like they were watching, you know, their plane home. Oh yeah. Flying out. You could hear them, you know, landing and taking off and Dude, it's psychological warfare watching those planes <laughs> land and take off every single day and yeah. all night, dude. It's yeah. it's tough, man. What's your what was your favorite memory? Or what was the what was the thing that surprised you most in boot camp? Man, like you just there was dudes that I was really fortunate. I joined the delayed entry program in you know October, my senior year in high school. I knew what I wanted to do. I knew where I wanted to go. It was I was going to be a lifer. So for me, I was prepared. You know, we went to the recruiter's office once a week. We did PT. Uh, we did knowledge. We did all kinds of stuff like that. So I was really prepared, and. Um, it was seeing some other people who showed up not as prepared. Mm-hmm. And I was like, dude, oh. what did you think you, where, like, what did you, where did you think you were coming to, man? Like, right. Um, but it was, it was intense, man. It was, I, I loved it, man. And meeting people from all over the country and the different cultures and backgrounds and expectations and, I was thinking about it. I still remember all four of my drill instructors, you know, senior drill instructor, uh, Sergeant Fernandez, uh, drill instructor, Sergeant Shamimi, drill instructor, Sergeant Griffin, drill instructor, Sergeant Moss, you know, those four dudes. Like, that's where I grew up, you know. Mm, like They clearly left a mark. Oh, dude, definitely. Yeah. Like, they're hardcore role models. Yeah. It's, uh, it, it's really interesting. There's one particular drill instructor whose name I don't remember, but I specifically remember the night he spent with us. So, he uh, he was sent to spend. Uh, I guess he was given the other drone strokes the night off. I have no <laughs> idea how that stuff works, but he was a guest for the evening, <laughs> and he he made it his mission to just destroy us that night. Right? He was in for the evening. He was he had tattoos on his neck, like he was just different. Yeah. And he was a shorter little guy. And do you remember it, it, before you go to bed, you're laying in your bunk at the position of attention. Oh, yeah. And they go, Protestant lay reader. And one of the kids who's designated to be, yep. to say a prayer yep. for all the Protestants. Yep. And they do the same thing with the Catholics. Yep. Right? And then he goes, <laughs> he goes, satanic lay reader. <laughs> and the room is silent. Nobody, no, the whole dorm is silent. And he goes, we don't have a satanic lay reader in here. Get out of here, bunks. <laughs> and he gets us up and just PTs us for 30 minutes and then puts us back to bed. Oh, dude, all sweaty. Yeah, no. <laughs> Definitely been there. And yeah. you're like, and, and people don't understand. You're like, you, you don't just go to bed. 
Right. You're told and you're laying at attention on top of the sheets or the, you know, the blade. Like you're, and you That's fall, right. you're so worn out, you fall asleep while they're talking. Right. But yeah, no, it's. Yeah, those are, those are funny little details, right? You get in your, yeah. you, you go to your, at your bed and they like prepare to mount. Yeah. And you mount your rack. Yep. And then, you know, everyone jumps into their bed and lies there on top of the sheets. Yeah. 70 dudes in their underwear, you know, <laughs> just looking at each other. And it's, it's the most unique experience that you'll ever go through in your entire life. Yeah. And like, that's where, you know, that esprit de corps, that brotherhood, that, you know, yeah. Semper Fidelis comes from. So, so to, to get to that point though, what's really interesting to me is there's a, and this is par for the course, right? This is the process. That first month is called the forming phase. Mm-hmm. And during that phase right? They are stripping away your humanity for all intents and purposes, right? But they're stripping away all the things that you thought were, you know, previously important. And then in building you back up and instilling in you the, you know, the esprit de corps and the, and the teamness of the Marine Corps. And, um, that's a really fascinating process. And I think about that in terms of, you know, the fire department, like we don't have a process like that where we really get to strip strip people away from the BS because on in one hand we want them to bring all those skills with them. Yeah. Right. Bring their uniqueness and their, and their, their skill sets and their talents. Um, and I think the Marine Corps wants that as well, but they want unified. Mm-hmm. And so how, so that's a question. How do you get that? I think, you know, it starts with leadership. Um, whether it be formal or informal, you know, that guy who brings everybody together, that guy who sells the message, um, who isn't hiding, who who isn't trying to do their own thing. Um, you know, for me that it, at the fire department, it happens at the the dining room table, right. Mm -hmm. Or the back of the bay, like just telling stories or, creating opportunities and creating questions and going, well, Hey, well, what would you do? You know, instead of, they don't always want to hear what I'm going to do. They don't want to lecture or something like that. But, and then those just, you start telling stories and you might've heard the story for the hundredth time, but it's still, it gets funnier and funnier and funnier. Or it gets better and better. And you learn from those different things, you right. know, like, Oh, I never noticed that in that movie. Um, you know, cause you watch it a second or third time, but that esprit de corps like in the fire service is just learning about the traditions and telling you know there's there's guys in our organization that don't know who certain people are because they've been retired for five ten fifteen years i just saw one of my retired Mm -hmm. captains at we were we were grabbing something to eat the other day and um his name's armando hernandez and he retired and he's been retired 10 years and it was like Hey, we just picked up right where we left off, you know, yeah. like, Hey Mondo, like, how you doing, buddy? Like, and you got to tell those stories about those guys because, um, it, it's important, you know, it's, yeah. it's the legacy and the traditions and Hey, you know why we do this? You know why we do that? Like this, because this guy started it and you know, this, this and that, and you know, just knowing the facts and yeah. Yeah. That, that there's the, the, the lifeblood of the fire department are the people. Yeah. Right. And yeah. and those experiences that we have and, you know, the, t- the team dynamic of an engine company or a ladder company or a firehouse is often the, the busier they are, oh, yeah. the more, you know, crazy crap they get into, the tighter the unit. Yep. Because when you experience difficulty together, 
it bonds, yeah. right? Which I think is kind of what happens is kind of what happens in Marine Corps boot camp. Mm-hmm. You go through hell for a period of time, and then you get brought in together and raised up together. And at the end of that, you are one unified machine. And I think about in terms of like uh, think about marching across the quarter deck, yeah, right? Or not the quarter deck, but the parade ground. Parade deck, yeah, yeah. And you're out there marching. And when you you think about like boots in the very beginning, they're like a mob, literally a mob. Oh, yeah. And uh, I think I remember a drone instructor once saying, hippity hop, mob stop. <laughs> Instead of saying like, yeah. you know, giving proper marching orders. <laughs> yeah. And and so, but then that same group of young people at the end of boot camp are freaking precision, precision movement. And that is that, you know, that unity that comes with that. And so when you talk about the esprit de corps in the firehouse, it's... It's those men and women who have come together and trained together and talk about the unity of the mission, right? Why are we here doing what we're doing, right? And then you talk about the, you know, you brought up the the men and women who've come before us. Man, it's so important, right, to talk about where we came from. Oh, yeah. No, absolutely, man. I Like, I mean, I don't know how far back you want to go, but, like, I... I, I, I want to go all the way back. All the way back, like... <laughs> I had no, I, I thought you had to have an uncle or a dad or some, you know, a brother on the fire department to become a fireman. Mm. So I never even, yeah, that's cool. I'd, I'd like to try it out, but it was never, it wasn't a possibility. How and, old were you when you figured it out that you could become a firefighter? Um, shortly after I got out of the Marine Corps. So I was like 23. You oh, okay. know, um, so had, you didn't wait too long. No, no, dude. I've always been that guy to have a plan. Like. You know, and my dad told me when I was young, he goes, because he would complain about the kids at his job and he worked at Nabisco for 36 years and he's like, never called out sick. And, and him, he's like, Mike, after high school, you work the rest of your life, you know, mm, find a kid. Truth, truth. <laughs> he's like, dude, here, Preach. <laughs> you can call out sick all you want, but the job's still going to be there. Right. <laughs> and so, um, and, and if you're sick, you ain't getting paid. So he's like, mm, find a good mm-hmm. union job, find a career. So I thought about being a teacher, being a cop and, hmm. Um, kind of had that always in the background, but then, you know, I was at a buddy's house. I was still on like, uh, terminal leave out of the Marine Corps. Oh yeah. Check. And I bump into a guy. How many, from how many sorry not to cut your story off, oh, but yeah. how many years did you do? I just did four. Okay. Yeah. I thought I was going to be a lifer, but I had a girlfriend at Arizona state. Oh boy. Um, yeah, no. And all my buddies were getting out cause it wasn't cool to stay in. And you know, I was just still young and impressionable. Yeah. And yeah. What, what years were you in? 92 to 96. Okay. So, so we we actually overlapped. I was in ninety to ninety four. Yeah, good times, man. Like yeah. I, I missed Desert Storm, but you know, sat off the coast of Somalia and went on float and did a bunch of different stuff, and it was great, dude. I did like it. It was it was probably some of the best years of my life, dude. Yeah. Just hanging and reconnecting with those guys later in life and telling mm-hmm. those stories is the best. But you know, th- that was my fraternity. Yeah. Right. Yep. I didn't get that college experience. That was my fraternity. That makes sense. The, yeah. the Marine Corps, you know, the, totally. the hanging out on the weekends and hanging out at the E club and drinking $2 pitchers and, you know, just, just good times. Um, but so when I got out of the Marine Corps, I'm at a buddy's house and he was dabbling into the fire department. Um, but then I met a, met a guy who was on the job and he was working for a rural Metro out in Litchfield park. And he's, I told you, he goes, hey, come do a ride-along. I'm like, all right, all right, I'll go check it out. Dude, sounds cool. 
and I don't know anything, dude. I show up, I sit on the couch, and I watch TV for like eight hours while they're cleaning <laughs> and working and no calls. Um, you know, I just didn't know, dude. I thought, I didn't know the booter routine or anything like that. Um, and to be honest, I was a little arrogant, dude. I was a Marine, you know, right? Like, yeah. dude. Um, Infantrymen, no less. Yes, exactly, dude. Like, my shit did not stink. So, um, evening time is rolling around. It's four or five o'clock. And I'm like, hey, bro, thanks for having me. I appreciate it. I got to get home. I got to do some real stuff. You know, like, this was <laughs> not what I expected, man. Like, did you, guys, did you run any calls? Not at the time. But then the tones <laughs> kick out. Oh, as you're about to leave. As I'm about to leave, the tones okay. kick out. He's like, hey, we got a call. You want to go? I'm like, yeah, sure. Get on the truck, and it's um, like an international cab. We're all facing forward, and I'm, you know, in the back seat in the middle. And I'm like, all right, dude, we're talking we're talking tactics, you know, all those patrol order marine stuff is in my mind. I put the headsets on, truck starts, <laughs> and they got Allison Chains blasting on the stereo. We're going code three to a 962 over like 99th Avenue and Camelback. And they're just laughing and joking and talking about people they're driving by. And I'm like, dude, where do I sign up, man? <laughs> like, this is awesome, dude. Like, you know, it's, it's embedded in my memory. And so he goes, all right, man. He goes, I go, what do I got to do? He's like, you got to go down to the community college. You got to talk to this guy. You got to get your EMT. You got to do, 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 do. And next time you come back, I expect a thing of ice cream. And you, yeah. I, I expect you to be yeah. putting in some work. So fast forward, right? Like, he he... He was a good guy. He, I think he was, you know, he was a better friend than um, a mentor. But um, Mike Moore from Peoria. Oh yeah. I had met him before, um, and he. I reached out to him because um, I think his son and my brother played football together or something. And um, I go, so I reached out to him, and he hooks me up with a guy named Lon Etter, who uh, ended up going over to Mesa Fire. But this dude took me under his wing. And gave me all of his fire one and two books. Gave me uh, fire gloves. Gave me books. Gave me. He he goes, dude. Here's the here's how you be a booter. Here's how you do your ride-alongs. Here's how you do. He gave me the map, and that was really early on in my um, interest in becoming a fireman. It's like you know, don't sit in the recliner. Put your back to the TV. Carry the box. Like all that stuff. You know, I'm like, oh my god, dude. Those guys on my first ride-along thought I was an idiot, probably. You know, but I didn't know any better. And so I'll never forget Lon Edder. I owe everything, you know, getting hired early. I owe so much to that guy. And, um, uh, you know, he pointed me in the right direction and, and got me started. And he, something I'll never forget, he gives me a, a union sticker, hmm. a brand new union sticker. He goes, hey, this is a little tradition. He goes, do not put this on your car till you get till you graduate the academy. He goes, this is for good luck. And I, I put it right in my, um, like, speedometer. You know, so it was my mo my motivation, man, that Maltese, you know, like, yeah. I got to get, I want to get hired so I can put that on my car, you know. Um, but it, it was just because he just told me the story about the history of the Maltese and everything. And, and um, ah, I could call cool. him. And, yeah, he was a good dude, man. And, um, yeah, then I signed up for EMT out at Mesa Community College. Were you living out on the east side of town at that time? Um, yeah. Yeah, I moved out there. You know, I grew up on the west side. Family's on the west side. But like I said, that, that girl at Arizona State. <laughs> so I go to MCC, and um, I got uh, Adam Hellman. He's my EMT instructor. 
Like these dudes, man, I, I was so lucky. I had the best mentors. Adam Hellman, he was a captain for uh, Gilbert Fire Department, paramedic. And I'm like, okay. He goes, hey, no ride-alongs until after class. But I learned the EMT and I go do a ride-along on, uh, I believe it was, it, it was, it was their ladder. It was by the train tracks. Um, but it was such a great time. Like he was the captain. I just wanted to be like that dude, man. He was so cool, so laid back, so professional, um, just one of those dudes that he gets it, you know? And, um, so I met a lot of people out there and, um, took my one and two out there with, uh, Don Yona and Mike Shamanan. Like when people, when I tell people who my mentors and people, I like, I get peppered this and they're like, okay, we understand the way you are, why you are, you know, like, <laughs> okay, you had Mike Shamanan and Don Yona as your one and two instructors. <laughs> like, yeah, no, it was crazy, you know, but those dudes, they also were like, Hey, the fire department's tough. You need to be tough, you know? Right. And this is how it is, yeah. you know? And like, you know, here's the unwritten rules, you right. know? Anybody can learn the, the policies and procedures and the general work, but those unwritten rules, dude, that the fire department has, like... You know, it's funny you bring that part up because the unwritten rules, um, the culture of any organization mm -hmm. is so important to being successful. And people are always like, the politics, the politics, the politics. The politics are the people mm -hmm. and the navigating of the unwritten rules, the unspoken, the, un, the unseen, the undone, right? How do you navigate that? And until you have somebody who puts, who takes you under their wing and says, hey, I'm going to coach you up, how would you know? Yeah, and, I, and, and, and like politics is just life. And I didn't learn that until I had 20 years on the job. Hmm. I learned, like, I learned the engine company politics the yeah. fire department, you know, stuff, the operational politics early on, you know, um, but the management, those politics, it took me a while to, to get a mm. grasp of that, yeah. you know, kind of a late bloomer on that side. But um, I had some good mentors teach me that stuff later, pull me aside and go, hey, if this is what you want to do, this is what you got to do. Right. You know? Yeah. It's funny. I had a guy. Uh, one day tell me, he's like, you know, I, I should be able to, I should be able to promote from the back seat of a fire truck. And I'm like, Hey, there's, there's a little bit of politics that go into that. <laughs> like people need to know who you are in order to, um, in order to invest in you. Right. And just because you are a great firefighter doesn't mean you're going to be a great company officer, chief officer, whatever. Like those are those are things you have to demonstrate in other ways. Yeah, you got to go to classes. You got to show up. You got to teach. You got to be visible in the organization. It's so weird. I had that. I've had that conversation with a couple of people. You know, like just thinking about the chief ranks and the company officer ranks. Like, no one ever looks at a guy and goes, "Man, dude, he pulls." You see how fast he threw his air pack? He's gonna be a great fire chief. You know, like <laughs> right. You no know, one. Oh man, he man that guy gives me a full. Sec, two sets of vitals every single call. He's going to be a great leader in this organization, right? And and it's those people that we do think about that are going to be great leaders. It's it's how they talk, how they carry themselves, how they handle certain situations. You know, like they're completely unrelated to no, the operations. It's diplomacy. Yeah. It's it's leadership, which is integrity, and it's getting in front of a class and teaching and what does that look like? And, mm -hmm. you know, are they able to teach tough topics and talk about difficult situations? 
I am. Um, that's, that's a good point, man. Yeah, no, and I had um, Tim Wayne from uh, Goodyear Fire. Mm-hmm. He was one of my early uh, mentors in Glendale, and he pulled me aside. I was working on my acting captain packet, and um, he just pulled me aside. He's like, and, I, and I've tried to pass this on to as many future leaders as possible. It's like, he asked me the simplest question What's more important, loyalty or integrity? Well, being that operational thinker and knowing, I'm like, and, and being a Marine, and I was like, oh, man, the kind of go, I never thought about it or broke it down or defined it, and I was like, well, loyalty, loyalty is important, man, being loyal to your organization and your crew and your people, right, and your family, he's like, he's like, okay, he goes, well, he goes, can you be loyal to a fault? I was like, oh, shit, like, yeah, and he goes, your integrity is who you are and your integrity is what you do when no one, you know, the whole, and, and, and that will bring out loyalty. And so from there on, I was like, okay, integrity, have, you know, be truthful to yourself, be honest, because there are some people that will lead you down the wrong path. That'll lead you down, you know, and you can drink that Kool-Aid and think you're doing the right thing. And then they're going to call out that loyalty and, and you got it doing what, doing what's right. Your integrity might might not line up with that loyalty piece sometimes. Right. So. Well, and if if a friend is loyal to you, they will not put you in a position to compromise your integrity. Yeah. And that is something that people seem to forget. The guy's like, "Hey, man, you know, um, what's that video <laughs> that uh, that movie?" And the guy's like, "Hey, man, we're gonna go out." We're going to do some things. We're going to hurt some people, and you can never ask me about it. Oh, yeah, the, that uh, Ben Affleck, uh, the yeah. brother. Yeah. yeah, yeah. And he goes, whose car are we taking? Yeah, yeah. Right? Like, that's loyalty Yeah. to a fault. Yeah. Right? It's a great movie quote. Yeah. But in real life, yeah. you know, like, you, you know, you have those friends who will back you, but it has to be, if you live in integrity, when they're backing you, they're usually backing you in integrity, or they will hold you accountable and go, hey, man, are you sure? That this is the right thing you want to be doing because they know what you want and they're there to support you in that, to hold you in integrity. Yeah. I mean, at the end of the day, we work for the fire department, not the mafia, you know, and it's like, <laughs> hey, <whoa. we> <laughs> yeah, dude, like it, it, it's, we took an oath, right? Yeah. We, we are public servants and we have, we have, there's a certain expectation of us, mm. you know, and, and I just remember going back to that testing process. Hey, are you? Can I trust you to go into a stranger's house who has prescription medications, who has wallets uh, with money and has valuables and, and, and you just, and you, you got to have that trust and yeah. that trust comes with your integrity. And, um, yeah, it's just, a, it's doing the right thing. And so it, how long have you been on the job now? So I've got 15 in Glendale. And then I did nine in Sun City. And you did I, nine in Sun City? Yeah. Wow, I didn't realize it was that long. Yeah, it was crusty over the... No. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. How, well, so let me ask you this. What, um, what is something... So now you're a battalion chief. Yeah. yeah. No big deal. We'll talk about that. <laughs> so as a firefighter, what, what's something that... You know, and you had to boot twice, mm-hmm. right? Start all over. What are some of the foundational things that you learned in the back seat? that you that are have defined your career for you so even even going back before sun city i did like black canyon volunteer i did a year in gila river 
and like that year in Gila River kind of taught me what the fire department was about, right? And, um, you know, the name on the back is bigger than the name on the front, you know, the, the cultures, the differences, the community service, um, being part of a team. And then when I went to Sun City, um, that's where I really learned how to be a firefighter and um, checking off the rig, going to school, taking classes, being um, being uh, being involved, being engaged in the community, uh, pounding signs, um, doing uh, charities, uh, doing do, doing more on my days off than my days on, basically, you know, just being part of that, that community. But I think the things that molded me as a firefighter are just, man, that's a good question. Um, it's just being ready, being professional and not trying to take things for granted. Um, I've never been that guy that just shows up, puts his gear on the truck and waits for the light bar to come on. I want to know what everybody's role on the truck is, you know, and that maybe that goes back to those fire team days, you know, in the Marine Corps of going, Hey man, if my, if my team leader goes down, someone's got to step up. You know, my saw gunner yeah. goes down, somebody's got to step up. If my radio man goes down, somebody's got to step up, right? Yeah. So if, as a firefighter, if I can understand the roles and responsibilities of my engineer and my captain, I can make their job a little bit easier. Or as an EMT, I understand what my medic's thinking. And yeah. I mean, I was a booter, and my first crew was Captain uh, Gobster. Uh, engineer was Jim Hayner, and the firefighter was Jamie Soto. And these dudes had salt, man. Jamie Soto had 10 years on the job. Jim Hayner had 15. And and Captain Gobster, he goes, uh, he looks at me. He's like, when when were you born? And I'm like, <laughs> uh, 1974. And he goes, what month? And he got this guy. He's like, I came on right after you were born. I'm like, oh my gosh, dude. And so I just always respected those guys, and I never wanted them to. I didn't want to let them down. You know, mm -hmm. and I had all, all kinds of salty old rural metro guys that stuck with the organization. I mean, they were they were rural metro firefighters working one day on, one day off, and then lived in Peoria as volunteer firemen. So they were firemen twenty four seven. Right. And they took pride and um, just I remember those guys taking me under their wing and, um, hey, you know this is what you got to do. This is you know this is. I still wash, you know, when I see, when I help the guys wash the truck, I, I wash under the wheel well, because that's what Jim Hayner did, right? And, um, you know, they, they, hey, you're not a medic, but start reading the drugs. You want to be a medic? Start reading the, the start checking off the drug box. Um, but so I just took a lot of classes. I wanted to learn their job and learn their roles and responsibilities and kind of have an understanding of what was going on on the fire ground. Yeah. What's going on? What's, why are we doing this? Why are we going to this hospital versus that hospital? Why are we starting IVs on this patient, but not that patient? Why are we, you know, why are we pulling this line versus that line? Um, just little things like that. You know, why are we saying this when we're doing, you know, doing, do, doing that, you know? And um, so um, I've always treated my career like kind of like my, my gear, being a ready state. And then when it comes time for promotional process or say a position to put in for I've got the qualifications, I've got the ticket, I've got everything. All I'm waiting for is the time to do it. And that's kind of what, as a firefighter, just being prepared, you know? Yeah. I I love that, man. I, and I think the cross-training component of that is so so important. You know, two is one, one is none, right? You, you never know when something's going to happen on that apparatus and somebody's going to need to step in for somebody else. 
that's just you know what if you're you know somebody's stuck on the shitter yeah <laughs> and they just are having a medical emergency in there yeah. and they can't get off of it right yeah and uh you got to run a call and now you're all of a sudden you're the chauffeur of the truck and if you've never done it before and I, a story creeps into my mind i pulled into a station one day i got roved in and me and the other backseat firefighter uh and the engineer was off on a partial vacation for a period of time and the captain uh, was a firefighter acting out of class. Uh, he was on the list. And he was getting promoted someday, right? <laughs> a bunch of ding dongs, right? And the ca- the acting captain goes, "Hey, can one of you guys uh, drive?" And I'm like, "Sure." I go, "If we can go walk over the let's go run over the pump panel real quick because I'm not super familiar with this rig." And the other kid looks at me, and goes, Psh, "I got it, good boy." And I'm like, "All right, sweet." <laughs> so I, I I you know jump up in the back seat, get all set up for the day. 30 minutes later, we get dispatched on a garbage truck fire. <laughs> and this garbage truck had dumped its load in a parking lot. There's just a pile of fire, a pile of debris on fire. Career fire right there. Bro, <laughs> I'm telling you. And so I stretch out the line, and I get to the end of the line, and I'm waiting, and I'm waiting, and I'm waiting. And I look back down the line, and there's two dum-dums standing at the pump panel, scratching their heads, and I was freaking furious. Not furious because I didn't have water to put the garbage truck fire out. I was furious because had this been a house fire mm-hmm. and somebody's life was hanging in the balance and, and that, I'm going to use some strong language here, that asshole said, I got it. Mm-hmm. Do not let your ego get in the way of somebody's life safety, right? If you don't got it, say, I don't got it and we'll figure it out together. But don't come to me and say, I got it and not have your hands wrapped around it. It's not okay. And no. so the cross-training piece is super important, right? Yeah, you're going to the hospital to pick up the medic, and a worker kicks out, a gunshot, what, anything kicks out. Like, I get it. If you don't want to promote, that's fine. You can ride backwards your entire career. That, I'm totally cool with that. Right. But that doesn't give you a free pass to stop learning, right? Right. Because right. protocols change, um, algorithms change, society change like you you need to be engaged because they don't the community doesn't know whether it's your first day on the job or your last day on the job and they don't care no and 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 you can make a million dollars on the baseball field being good 30 percent of the time but you got about a thousand on the fire department for you know fraction of the dollar too but you they expect the best and i know it sounds cliche but just be prepared we don't get to pick and choose well, what and, the light bars, you know. Here's what's interesting about that, right? Is if there's in the history of my career, there's never been one incident that was perfect, right? No. Something always goes wrong, and so the ability to uh, adjust is predicated upon training. Because if you if you're if you don't train and you're like, hey, it always goes this way, well, hundred percent doesn't always go this way, right? There's two things in the fire service that you can't say, always and never, right? <laughs> there's too many variables. Things are, are the only time you can say it is right now. Yeah. It is always going to change, right? It is never the same. Those are the only absolutes. Yeah, so. no, there's going to be more. There, you're, there's, you're, I promise you, there's going to be that morning at that shift change call. It's a code and the O2 bottle's empty. Yeah. It, that's not new, you know, but act like you've been there before. Don't freak out. Like, <laughs> just, you know what I'm saying? Hey, Hey, Cap, I got to go to the truck and get uh, the other O2 bottle. Mm-hmm. Go do it. Yeah. You know, just don't freak out, but have a plan. You know, be prepared. And, and um, 
How, so let me ask you this then. So what is your technique or how did you learn or whatever to stay calm? And we throw some air quotes up here <laughs> under fire, right? When, when shit goes sideways, how do you stay cool? Well, like you, like you said, you know, you fall on your training and, um, you know, like, how do I stay cool? I just, Hey man, I, I, um, this is going to probably sound bad, but I've just, I've learned to lower my expectations. Well, you should say more. And what I mean by that is, Hey man, um, if I pull into the station at 7 30 in the morning and our frontline truck is there it's gonna be a great day <laughs> right like hey you know like because it's the fire service man and it's trucks break down equipment goes bad guys have bad days um guys forget to do stuff we're busy man so like hey don't freak out it freaking out doesn't help anything you know, I, I coached my kids sports and I would just laugh at the coaches that would freak out during the games, but didn't do anything but play grab ass, you know, and joke around during practice. Like, dude, no, we're going to training is going to be intense. Practice is going to be intense. Mm. And when we mess up at the game, we're going to take notes. We're going to we'll critique it like, you know, out of fire. Um, what do they say? You know, um, praise in public and uh Correct and, Correct and private. Yeah, that whole thing, you know. So it's like, you just act like you've been there before. Um, you know what's funny? I I agree with that statement. The you know the praise in public piece. Yeah. However, I do feel like we take that a little too far sometimes. Particularly tailboard critiques. Oh yeah, absolutely. I think that there needs to be a degree, and this is a cultural thing, yeah. right? Yeah. We as firefighters need to get comfortable talking about how things didn't go right yeah in front of everybody else and and saying hey uh here's what i saw and here's what i missed you know hey, you know 20 minutes ago when we pulled up on this incident this was happening yeah and i missed it yeah no we're, we're outside high five and in front of a foundation you know <laughs> the fire investigators like why'd you even call me you know like um but you know you know dave jensen right mm -hmm. so he is my best friend, my mentor, um, and he—that's part of his captain development, battalion chief development—is we'll do tactics, and then after our tactics are done in the station or at the grinder, wherever we're doing, part of that pro process is giving a tailboard critique, mm -hmm. and he has a, a template. And it's if you saw anything negative, we're going to go pull the company officer aside and address it. But then we're going to give them that opportunity in front of everybody. Go, hey, is there anything different you would have done? You know, it's like, how do you, how, you got to have that tact, right? Yeah. JJ did tie buckle, right? <laughs> Wait, what's that? JJ, you, the Marine Corps leadership traits. Oh, right, Roger. Right. Now I'm an old Marine, right? Yeah. <laughs> we say it differently. Uh, yeah, yeah. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> so, yeah, you got to have tact um, because you don't, you don't want to embarrass your guys right or, or girls and, and so but so that's the thing though too is right it's not about you don't call them out and go hey so that was a screwed up operation yeah but you say hey what's so what's what's one thing that you know what's one thing that you would do differently and two things that went well for you yeah and let them unpack it a little bit and be and have an honest you know and say hey and you can even open that up as a person leading the critique and go hey when I pulled up on scene I thought this was what was happening and I misread the fire or whatever yeah right or I, I 
you know, I hit the, the push to talk button and I paused and I, I held open air and sat there thinking, <laughs> you know, just own some of the, the yeah. things that didn't go smooth and, and then say, all right, well, what didn't go smooth for you? And let people talk that stuff out a little bit because 100% guaranteed everybody standing in that circle knows that something went sideways. They know. They know about it. So let's talk about it and let's offer some ideas and perspectives and things we can do to, to correct it. And there's going to be those calls where. Sure. Hey, man, everybody over here now. What the hell? <laughs> you right. know? Right. Um, but I think you can learn from every fire, you know? Yeah. And um, Oh, yeah. It's. You know, because we just don't get enough of them. I just feel like we don't get enough fires. And then having that opportunity um, as a battalion chief, I remember being a young acting captain and, you know, the chief would show up and go, hey, why'd you do that? Uh, and I would, <laughs> dude, being the young, arrogant kid, like, what do you, I know what I'm doing. Why are you at, <laughs> get out of here, you know? I was like, I figured out, oh, he's asking me that because he wasn't here. And right. he just wants to know my decision-making <laughs> process. And I, I, so that's what I try to explain to my guys. And go, hey, when I show up, it's because I'm hearing this on the radio and I'm seeing this. And I just, hey, what were your critical fire ground factors? You know, justify your chart to me. And I just compare it to paramedicine. Like, when you write a chart, you're justifying your, whether it's a refusal, whether it's ALS or whether it's BLS, like your, those pertinent negatives, those pertinent positives. That's all I'm asking what was your, you know, your, your SDM? What was your IAP? What, what was, right. why, what were your critical fire ground factors? Why right. did you pull an inch and three quarter? Why did you go offensive? Just right. help me understand, paint this picture. Cause when right. I got here, you had three assignments and the fire was out. Like, oh, like, great job. Right. Well, and, and, or you saw a giant header mm -hmm. of smoke and they were going offensive and you're like, Hmm, the conditions don't appear to match the yeah. actions I'm hearing over the radio. So when you say, hey, tell me a little bit about your decision-making, it's not an indictment. No. It's clarification. What did you see that led you to that decision? Oh, man, we had a guy hanging out of the window. We had to effect rescue. Yeah. Okay, great. So you stretched a rat, you know, a quick, a pre-connected hand line and got water on the fire between the victim and the fire as quickly as you could. Yeah. Bravo. Yeah. No, it's I'm just trying yeah. to, to put myself in your position. You yeah. Know? It's not a test. Yeah. And I don't, you know, like, there's so much stuff going on in the fire service with learning and, 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 um, you know, the, the, the GPMs versus BTUs and just the slicers and stuff that we didn't learn when we were in our early part of our career, you know, the mm -hmm. whole attack from the unburned portion, the whole don't spray into the smoke because, you know, the thermal layer, like yeah. all that, it was based on theory. Now we've added, actual science to it and we're like right oh wait yeah we just need to put the the water on the fire you know <laughs> right as quickly as possible. as quickly as possible yeah yeah or even into the hot gases frankly yep, yep. You know, contract the gases let's, let's start to change the environment cool the environment that um it's really kind of fa it's fascinating to me like in in the world of science right evidence-based practices are everywhere yeah right and in our business you have practical experience commingled with science and you know it's 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 getting the two to to come together and then affecting change right because mm -hmm. firemen struggle with that right we we like to do things the way we like to do things and just because some propeller head said hey we have evidence yeah uh, we need you better show me <laughs> no we had um you know we 
five years ago or whatever it was, I was the training captain and we were introducing the smooth bore two and a half tactics, um, that mm -hmm. Brian brush does and, um, got it from Chris Slayer and we were just, man, it, it was like so much information. It was great. And we're out teaching it and we're, you know, changing our pre-connect, you know, uh, we're just changing some things up and I went out to every single station, every single shift, showed them how to load this Minuteman load, showed them how to deploy it, went over the holds, um, went over everything and, um, everybody's really receptive to it. You know, if you just talk to them like the firemen and, and you don't try to make it any, any more difficult than it has to be like, Hey, um, but I did have some naysayers and this guy, he straight up goes, yeah, that's cool, Mike. But uh, if I get this order to pull this line tonight, I'm just going to make a loop and sit on it like I was told in the academy. <laughs> I was like, all right, bud, like two things real quick. Um, I wish you would have just waited till I left to say that. <laughs> I go, but secondly, when you were in the EMS division and you took bicarb out of our drug box, did I freak out and tell you, well, I got my own stockpile and I'm still going to push bicarb 10 minutes after a code or, you know, like we change our EMS protocols on a daily basis and nobody bats an eyelash. But the second you change something that a firefighter learned in the academy 20 years ago, right. it's the end of the world. Yeah. And I'm going to invoke Brunacini here. He said, if you're doing the same thing that you've always done for 20 years, you need to reconsider. He said it a little differently than that, but that's how I remember. Oh, no. I'm, I, I'm paraphrasing. Yeah. But that's the idea if, that you have to reevaluate. And and you bring up the really good point is, is we pivot on on things like uh, medical things, which are evidence-based. Well, we have evidence for these new techniques and tactics. Let's be smart. And people talk about, well, i got to be an aggressive firefighter and et cetera, et cetera. I'm like, well, aggression uh, only comes when you have all the KSAs in your head. To be effective but you have to size up aggressively you have to deploy the line aggressively you have to bring the right tool to the fight mm -hmm. that takes aggressive thoughtful deliberate decision making uh, there's this little footage i saw of this firefighter he jumps off the truck and he does three laps looking <laughs> for a tool he was running his ass off but and, and you know but because he had not prepared aggressively yeah he could not execute aggressively he was moving with purpose, but he couldn't get where he needed to go. Yeah, I always, I, I, I like to picture that in black and white with Benny Hill music. That's what it seems. You know, that's and they're exactly they're opening the compartments, right. they're closing it, they're drugging, they're going. Yeah, that's no, what it sounded like. This freaking yeah. clown car. Yeah, and this this poor guy, man, his helmet cam footage gave it all away, and I'm like, well, that's crappy. Everybody knows where the EMS boxes are. <laughs> Like that is when, and I just I was joking around with some guys, like when we design our fire trucks nowadays, it's, everything's designed around the EMS compartment, you know, yeah, <laughs> like, yeah. Hey, these come off. Like we got to start designing our fire trucks for firefighting and lower hose beds and quicker attacks. And, you know, just that's ridiculous. And, and it's just, well, you, you know, and I get it, man. It's not a big percentage of our call volume, but it's probably the most dangerous, right? And so I, I think that you bring up a really, really good point. I was being snarky by saying that's ridiculous. <laughs> the it's, It is a fire truck. Yeah. Now, we also do EMS delivery off of it, right? We provide EMS services off of it. So you bring up a really fascinating point, which is designing the trucks. You know, right now, 
if you don't have any input, they're designed by people who build fire trucks. Mm -hmm. So they are taking engineering into play, which is very, very important. Designing the, the truck to be good on the road and to run good, et cetera. But the cabinets and the hose beds, et cetera, we have an opportunity to impact that. And we need to take advantage of that and design trucks that a function in our communities the way we need them to function. Yeah, we've got... Um so when we started that two and a half project and then we um, implemented our uh, new combination nozzles on our high rise packs, we started, you know, using that almost as our, uh, our horizontal standpipe, you know, going long off the two and a half, Hey, break it down, take our high rise packs off. And one of our captains, Dave Colson, who's an RTO, like super involved in training. He's awesome. Like super knowledgeable. He had our fabricators, our, our apparatus guy, our, our high-rise packs used to be, like, stuffed and laid flat and pushed back behind stuff. You know, like, they were not... Yeah, on the it, little shelving on the side of the truck, I think. Yeah, yeah. right? And and I don't, know, I don't know about your academy, but my academy... And I went to the Phoenix Fire Training Academy. Here's a high-rise pack. Here's how you load it. Yeah. You'll never use this again. <laughs> you know, like, there it is. And so, like... We're starting to use this high-rise pack now. We're starting to do some stuff, some different loads, some Miniman stuff. And he had our fabricators come in, build these pegs. So we're, so now the high-rise packs hang nice and they're purposeful. And when I, at 2 o'clock in the morning when you open this compartment, boom, they're there and you go. You know, mm -hmm. It's not pull stuff out, try and find them and you know, yeah. just keep pulling pre-connect after pre-connect after pre-connect. You know, it's, it's having a plan. Um, and so now all of our apparatus have that. It's like, Hey, here's where our high rise packs are. They're go to, they're fast. Nice. Um, I, that's, that's important, man. We talk about the station design and, mm -hmm. you know, these different types of things and apparatus design is really important to think about how was, how is the equipment going to go on and how is it going to come off in an urgent situation? That's critical. I love that. I love that you guys thought about that. That's huge. Yeah, no, switching from pre-connects or dead loads to pre-connects um, just for speed and efficiency and yeah. you're just having the tools in the toolbox. And, like, we all know how to pull a 150, 200-foot crosslay, right? But but swim, stab, grab, no, you know, we all know. Yeah, we <laughs> all know how to do that, you know. And um, But it's there's there's a thousand ways to skin a cat. Like, there's there's other departments and organizations that are doing things differently. And I think, like, that's part of being a leader, Um is having that humility to go, okay, I don't know everything. Let's let's open our eyes to this. Yeah. This method. You know, let's what are they doing over here? And um just constantly learning and going, okay, yeah. That's how I did it in the academy twenty years ago, because that's the foundation, but that's not the whole book, right? So Yeah. yeah. I, I'm I'm hung up on that Bruno quote, man. You you got to be open to change, and you got to be open uh, open to other people's ideas. Yeah. At least bring them to the table for conversation, and and you know even in your own organization, you know even if you're not grabbing stuff from outside, you know in your own organization there are a lot of intelligent people with great ideas. Mm -hmm. Let let those ideas percolate through the organization. Don't just shut them down, right? You got to let that stuff come out and let people work through those things. It's tough, man. I, I, I get it. Dude, and I love Bruno, man. I got, I had the opportunity. He came to my fire Academy, sat down with us and I kind of, I, I just analyzed that guy and why was he the way he was and why did people respect him and listen to him? Like, mm. and, and I just go back to that initial class where he, 
as recruits, we had to write down all of our questions on our whiteboard before we got there, right? And he gets there, and he doesn't stand in front of a podium. He pulls out a chair, and he sits down at our level. And then he looks at the whiteboard, and he reads the question, and he just looks at us. He's like, you guys are the ones with the answers. You, wh why do you think this? You know? And then he would, he would interject a little bit, well, you know, have you thought about this? But it was never a lecture or a dissertation from that guy, right? Mm -hmm. And he just told it how it was. You know, he was the, be nice, do the right thing. You know, it's just the fire department, you know, and, you, it, and, and I've had a lot of chiefs over my career with his quotes and his books and their, all their stuff in, the, in their offices, but they're not, they're not living that Bruno mentality, right? Mm. Um, went to his leadership seminar as a firefighter, I was so lucky, um, got to go to one of his seminars, I put in for it, and I got to go, no one else wanted to go, I'm like, screw it, I'm like, I'm sitting five feet away from Chief Brunacini, you know, trying to learn. And all these chiefs from around the country are at this little round table. There's like 20 people in the room. And it never fails, man. The guy wants, someone has a complaint about uniforms and he tells that story, you know. And uh, look, there's a time to be polished, right? You're a Marine and, and it, your uniform has never been dirtier and you never worked harder. But then guess what? You show up to the Marine Corps ball and you're dressed blues. Right. shine to the nines right you're you know when and and sometimes that's where guys have a difficult time understanding like hey i don't have a problem with you walking around in pts and doing this and working hard and getting dirty but hey man when we're going down to admin or we're going to a training class like can you tuck your shirt in can you throw in some boots like right um but that's you know bruno is the best dude. Well, like, what was the story that uh that bruno shared well you know like just Mrs. Smith has never complained about the way a firefighter looks or what they were wearing. You know, he he's never in his 50 years in the fire service had a complaint about what a guy was wearing or how they looked. It was, it, it was, they showed up, they took care of me. They mowed my yard. They put my groceries away. They did the right thing. They, they got there fast, efficiently. They were in a big, big fire truck for, for, highly trained professionals um you know or the story like you hear the story about him you know giving a tour to some other fire chief and the fire truck pulls over to the side of the road and picks up the little old lady and takes her home you know and oh why don't are you worried about the liabilities like we just gave that little old lady a ride home like she's gonna tell that story to every single person she knows you right. know like the positives outweigh the negatives right you know um so Bruno just broke it down to the most basic level. Yeah. Um, yeah. There's something to be said for that, you know, keep it simple attitude and the, the, the dichotomy though, and this is a tough thing for me. Okay. The Marine to me is mm -hmm, a long time mm -hmm. on this is I, I watched a guy get off a truck. Now this was, you know, shift change type situation. Everyone's in uniform. This guy's wearing a Mickey mouse t-shirt. Yeah. And, you know, <laughs> I, I, I'm with you, man. Like, there's a time and a place for being spit and polished. Yeah. But, bro, you got to put on a uniform. Like, there's a, you know, if that person's coded and we're working a code, and I get it. Yeah. Mickey Mouse t-shirt, no one's going to notice necessarily, right? But we do have to show up reflecting some pride in the organization, reflecting pride in, in how we present ourselves. Absolutely. It's, uh, 
and there's a line there. I don't want. Do we need to stand up every morning and do you know line out you know, uh, exchanges in the morning and and you know uniform inspections every single day? And no. Uh, yeah. No. There the, the, there's fire departments around that that are wearing our class A's. Right. On duty. Right. Class B's. Class B. Yeah. <laughs> class B. Class. Yeah. That's. I'm not the uniform guy. Yeah. I, I know. I wear my uniform. I wear. You know. Like. Got promoted to battalion chief. I threw away all my shorts. I'm like, all right, <laughs> pant life. Here we go. Oh, I feel bad for you. But, yeah, but it's, it's so sad. Yeah. I got nice legs, bud. All right. <laughs> it's the, the, the city gives you money. Right. The city gives you money to, to, yeah. to wear a uniform. Yeah. And it's, yeah. And, and, and so here's the thing, man. I, uh, I went on a call one day with a guy and he, he's lifts his arm up and he's got a giant hole in his armpit of his shirt. Yeah. And I'm like, bro, yeah, put on a clean shirt. Like, yeah. come on, man, put on a shirt. Throw that damn thing away. Yeah. And it's just, you know, it's one thing. You're out training. You're sweaty. You run a call and you're a little bit sweaty. Whatever. You've been out all day long and your shirt's covered in sweat stains because you've been getting after it. I totally get it. But it's that idea that it's to say it's not important at all. I, I just can't abide. No, it's perception, right? Like it's, that's, you know, how you look and how you feel. And, um, we all have that one guy, you know, you're like, dude, come on, man. Right. Versus the occasional guy. So that's the only danger with that, that statement was that when, when, when Bruno said, Hey man, Mrs. Smith, I've never got a complaint about someone being on uniform. It just creates a bit of a slippery slope. Absolutely. And so I think it's a it's smart to recognize that hey, that is not the most important thing. The most important thing is how we show up for the person in a human way, right? Mm-hmm. Are we taking care of their problems? Are we are we are we maintaining our training and showing up with the right skills and executing well, documenting appropriately, you know, uh, fighting fire with fidelity and doing the job aggressively and smartly. That's the most important thing, right? If you, you know, if you're in the middle of working out and you catch a fire and you show up on the fire with your Mickey Mouse t-shirt on, that's not the end of the day. But if your skills were, you know, if you, if you perform poorly, it's problematic, man. Oh yeah. No, I totally get it. And and sometimes it's, it's, we talk out both sides of our mouse in the fire service. <laughs> <laughs> well, let me ask you this. What? So now that you're a chief officer... And you're no longer <laughs> on a truck. What has surprised you most about being a chief? It's busier than I thought it would be. You know, in you're, what way? In you go from the easiest thing we do is show up every third day and run calls on a fire truck, hands down. Like we train you to do that. We send you to schools to do that. We pay you to do that. Um, and and when you start putting in for programs and doing stuff on the side and, you know, hey, you want to do, you want to promote, like, the things get harder. And so as a chief officer now, you go from having three guys, one station and one truck to now I've got a battalion. I've got five stations, six crews. And not, I, I, I handle things at the captain level. I empower my captains. I believe that our captains are the backbone of our organization. Um, you know, it, it. I believe it's kind of gotten watered down a little bit as a company officer. I hated finding out information the same time that my booter did. Mm-hmm. You know, I just, I didn't want to feel like, sometimes I just felt like I was 25% of the truck. I'm like, dude, I'm a captain, man. Like, 
I need to know some stuff. Yeah, like how about a, you know, just a heads up, you know? Yeah. And, and I'm pretty engaged, man. I check my emails on my days off. I'm involved, you know. I do things, but so now as a chief, you're just like, I want to make sure my crews have the resources they need to be successful. I don't want to be a dead end. Kind of just now, I don't want as a as a firefighter, as an engineer, as a captain. You don't want to be a dead end on a call, right? You want you might not have all the answers for that patient or that citizen but I can get you to the right place, right? I can find the resources. And so now as a battalion chief, I want to be that, that, that person for our crews, you know, whether it has to do with facilities or equipment or training or classes or, or what, whatever it is, I want to make sure my guys are set up for success. You know, I want to make sure they're in the loop. I want to make sure that, they understand things, they know things, and, and, and I want to be an advocate for them. So um, taking care of myself, uh, you know, I, I, if I want to get a workout in, I got to show up early, you know, I got to do it before work starts. Now, and that's that's the trade-off. Like, I'd, I'm not waking up four times after midnight running chest pains and difficulty breathings. Um, so I've got to do the other work, Um and making sure that my guys are taken care of, you know, if it's a high stress incident, hey, I want to make sure, like, hey, do you take your time, decon after a fire, decon after a call, like, I got your back, just keep me in the loop. Um, but at the same time, you don't, I tell my guys, you know the policies and procedures, you know the general orders, you have an MCT, you have a computer at the fire station, you have telestaff, you have target solutions, you have all this stuff at your fingertips. You don't need to call me every single time that you want to do something. Be a leader. Own your first do. Take pride in it. Listen to your radio. But if you want to call me and you want to let me know um, that you want, you know, go for it. But you don't call me on. You don't call me 15 times a day to let me know you're going to unavailable hospital. So if you're just going to go lay some hose on the ground behind the grocery store in the parking lot or behind the station for a half hour, 45 minutes, go for it, man. Like lead up. Do do your thing, man. Make your crew listen to your radio and you know. Yeah, deconflict with the captains around you and yeah. figure it out. Yeah. No, that's a I love that, man. I think it's important that you're empowering your captains to make decisions like that. The the company officer, in my opinion, is the pivot point in the organization. Absolutely. The fire chief can stand on top of the, you know, admin building and wave their fist, make stuff happen. But in and, and the battalion chiefs can push it down. Yeah. But until the captain says that we will do it's not going to happen. Yeah. Like they are the trend. They're the they're the pivot point where that information goes or no goes. So you have to create buy-in from your captains. So empowering them is critical because they they're a critical part of the leadership team. Yeah, no. And and I was always trained like when you make captain, your helmet's a different color for a reason, right? Yeah. You got one foot in administration and one foot in operations. You're the conduit. You're the middleman. Yeah. Um, if I give you a message that might not be popular with the guys, it ain't, Hey, chief wants this. It's, I don't agree with this chief. Your job is to figure out how to get buy-in yeah. with your crew. I yeah. trust you. Don't throw me under the bus. I won't throw you under the bus. Um, yeah. Captains are a huge piece in the success of our organization. Oh yeah. Um, we're pretty lucky in Glendale, man. We've got, uh, a pretty senior group of guys that get it, who've done it. Um, that, I can lay my head on, you know, my battalion's pretty, I, is pretty senior. So, 
Um, they got a lot of experience. They got a lot of knowledge. I rely on them heavily. Um, you know, because I don't have all the answers. Yeah. Um, but it, but at the same time, we've got a young group of guys that are just crushing it, dude. They're mm-hmm. like, they, they're they're awesome. They're so motivated. They're so excited. They're good leaders, man. I got complete faith in the future of our fire service and everything they're doing. And um, yeah, captain's a big deal, man. Yeah. Well, well, let me ask you this: When you lay down at night and you snuggle up with your poncho liner, <laughs> dude, you see my blanket? How'd you know? <laughs> I know you. I know you better than you think. <laughs> what keeps you up? We know you're not running any calls, so. Um. I I just I want us to be as good as we say we are. I have cuddled up in bed and stared at the ceiling, go, man, we haven't been to that place in a while. And I did this as a captain. I do it as a battalion chief. I go back and I. I throw my shirt on, I throw on my, my flip-flops and I go out to the truck and I look at the map real quick. Hmm. You know, um, and our guys are money at work. Our guys are money at the station. They're, they're money when, when the light bar goes off. They know what to do. They know, they, it's, I worry about our people on their days off. Hmm. And I've had, I've had, you know, I've had guys make some um, wrong decisions or, you know, uh, just they get to that fork in the road and, and it's affected their career. And I've gotten um, bad phone calls, at, you know, and, and so it's I worry about our people um, because life's tough, man. Society's tough. There's a lot of things going on. You know, we're we're busier than ever. Um whether it be social media and keeping up with the Joneses or just life in general, you know, relationships, kids, um, bills, uh, you know, it's just, it's stressful. And then, um, but like I, I, I tell my guys, like when we say use your time, we give you 20 days off a month. But we have so many guys that are burning the candle at both ends. Mm-hmm. And sometimes they they're almost coming to work to rest, mm-hmm. and it's dude. If you're coming to the Glendale Fire Department to get rest, you got another thing coming, man. Like we are a busy fire department, and it's not just running calls. It's staying engaged. It's doing community events. It's keeping up on you know all the administrative duties. It's the truck checks. It's the training. We are a busy fire department. And um, they're dog years, dude. And, and you're going to be very, very experienced in a, in a short period of time. Um, so you've got you to gotta do stuff on your days off, like work out, get sleep, you know, uh, get your stuff in order, be straight. So when you are away from home for 24 or 48 hours, things are easy, you know. And that's if you just keep your ducks in a row at home. Life at work can be very, very easy. It can be your day off. It can be rest. But right. but if you're stressed out at work, thinking about your stuff at home, it's it's a vicious cycle, man. Right. And yeah, and it's really a you know you hear people say, ah, oh, you just you know you gotta leave you gotta leave all that drama at the door, right? Leave it at, leave it at home. It ain't and that's, that easy. It's not. No, it's an unrealistic. It's an unrealistic yeah. statement. It's not. It's not possible. You know, human beings are are wired to maintain that 
that stuff in their head and to, to, to deal with it. And you don't get to just compartmentalize like that. You can try. Yeah. It's not very healthy. So to your point, you know, using your days off to decompress and to manage your personal business so that when you show up, you can be, uh, you know, in a ready state yeah. is critical. That, and it's, it's, it's a practice. I think it's, it's not easy to do. Right, because things come up. You're on your way into work. You forgot to do something. Your wife calls you up and she, you know, fusses at you because you didn't get some things done that you were that you said you would get done. That's life, man. So, yeah, no, and we got cell phones, and so we're always connected, and yeah, and um, it's just uh, it's. I sit there and I listen to the guys mentor the new people that want to become firemen. You're like, mm. you know what, you know the whole why do you want to be a fireman? And you gotta, you know, do the whole baseball diamond. And they tell them how to say all the right stuff. Right. And I let them talk to them for about an hour, and then I then I give them the the Uncle Mike speech. You know, yeah. like, hey man, why do you want this job? For real? Because I'm gonna tell you right now, it's a job of inconvenience. Mm. You're gonna miss some sleep. You're gonna miss some meals. You're gonna miss some workouts. I know you see the recliners. I know you see the stainless steel kitchen. I know you see the benefits and the, you know, the cool schedule and everything, but you are going to do some tough things. Mm. You know, you're going to kneel down in some, some liquids and some materials <laughs> and, and people are going to question what you're doing and why you're doing it. And, yeah. um, they're, you know, but and we do more on our days off than our days on. Like this is, you were like, so you talk about, uh, you know, like the slippery slope with uh, Bruno and the uniform thing The one of the slippery slopes for me is telling guys they won the lottery mm, when they yeah, get hired. Yeah. Well, I got 260 people that if they won the lottery tonight, they ain't showing up. <laughs> it's a, it's a job. It's a career. Like yeah. it's There's, work. It's work. You got to show up and do the work. Right. You're going to get dirty. Like it, this is, you're going to go into an apartment where people smoke cigarettes and then you're going to have to go, you know, and you're going to smell it. You're going to go into some places where people just yeah. live differently. And, and yeah. you know what the, the caveat to that lottery statement is you get the lottery winnings after the work Yeah, at the end of your career. So you have stepped into a, uh, into an opportunity that affords you a lottery yeah. winnings ish yeah. at the end. You know, there's a lot of other prizes that come with that as well. Yeah. Um, but. And you can ruin that. 100%. You can, ruin, you can flush oh, that down the drain. Right. But the problem is that people hear that as a guarantee. Yeah. You won something, therefore it is yours. No. no you have to earn it every day. Yeah. And by by running calls, by training, by putting in work. So, yeah, I think it's a, it's a funny expression because it implies down the road yeah. but we we say oh but we, you got it today yeah but the reality is that you still have to earn it every day and that's a very simon, different very different statement i don't know if you follow simon sinek oh, at i love all. that guy. yeah dude, love that he's guy. legit and uh he talks about the infinite versus finite you know yes and dude that that's eye-opening man if anyone listening out there youtube simon sinek the finite the infinite and it the fire department's a long game it's it's a long game Right. And when you're, when you got a year or two on, you're not thinking about retirement, you know, you're not thinking about your health, you're not thinking about any of this stuff. And then the next thing you know, you're 10 years in and mm. you're still, you know, barely contributing to your deferred comp, you know, you're, you got a shiny big truck and yeah, you're, like, you're just, just got, you got bills to pay. You yeah. can't put 10% in the yeah. bank. No, no dude. But that is one thing I'll say about the, 
people that we're hiring nowadays is their their lifestyle is completely different you know their their values it's different yeah. and it's a hard pill for some of our senior members to swallow mm-hmm. but if if you have kids and you know like hey man the old guys when i got hired thought i was different and my priorities were wrong and now it's just that's society yeah um 100 so let me uh let me ask you some rapid fire questions you know one two word answers short statement whatever okay okay what's one piece of great advice you've been given oh man um be humble yeah be humble man okay what is your favorite mre um spaghetti meatballs number five yeah right on (laughs) did they still make it i don't even know i don't know it's the old mres bro yeah yeah. old school marine (laughs) um so the converse what is your the worst piece of advice you hear people give you won the lottery you already said it (laughs) that is a pretty bad piece of advice i don't know if i'd call that advice but you know, I think everybody's different in the fire service. And if like, if you want to ride backwards for 30 years, ride backwards for 30 years. Um, if, if, if you want to promote, promote, man. Take advantage of every opportunity you can. Um, you're, the only way you're going to get experience driving a fire truck is by driving a fire truck. The only way you're going to get experience by being a captain is by being in that front right seat. And if that's what you want to do, do it. Find a mentor. Find a person. Um, so what was the bad advice? Like sometimes people tell you to be patient take your time enjoy it like you know Mm. what i'm saying like hey you only got five years on you know what's the rush you know uh well i I, that's one of the things i learned in the marine corps just like i i I tried to (laughs) volunteer yeah step up i thought just hanging out with the guys and being cool was the way Mm. and i missed a lot of opportunities Mm. And so when I became a fireman, I said, I'm, I'm, I'm going to take advantage of every single opportunity that I can. And so when that big call kicks out, I, I'm on it. I'm going to it. You know, I want to I try everything I can, you know, special yeah. operate, hazmat, TRT, battalion chief, cap, uh, training, RTO, you know, um, all that stuff. So take advantage of opportunities. Um, there really hasn't been a lot any bad advice in the fire service for me. I've just been surrounding myself with good people and good mentors and Yeah. Um, yeah. Well then then let me ask you this last question. What does it mean to you to be fireground fit? So for me being fireground fit, um you can bench press three fifteen, you can run an Iron Man, you can do CrossFit, you can flip tires, but turnouts are a game changer they are the equalizer and so if you're not getting in your gear and breathing down a bottle and experiencing that that is that's the game changer and so put your gear on and do work in your gear whether it's just even if you're on the treadmill in your gear or whatever it is like fireground fit is is being fast, being effective, um, but doing it in your turnout gear, you know, because cause we don't go to fires in PTs, you know, in tennis shoes. Um, 
the gear is a game changer and it it uh it's heavy it's hot i had a d1 wrestler as one of my recruits and the turn it it the turnout gear is the great equalizer so for me being fire ground fit is being able to work in that gear and I've seen a lot of people do it and, and overcome those challenges, whether they're big, small, marathon runners, crossfitters, you know, like as long as you're doing something, you know, the weightlifters hate the crossfitters, the crossfitters hate that. It's just, it's, just it's, it's like, dude, as long as you're doing something, man, and by no means am I like this um, poster boy for physical fitness or anything like that, but I try to stay engaged and I, um, you know, I love doing towers and being with the the guys and the, the recruits and um, just, you know, being a fireman. Love it. Well, Mike, thank you, brother, for sitting down and rapping with us for a while. My pleasure, brother. Appreciate it. No, hey, dude, you are seriously, hands down, um, one of my uh, biggest mentors. And um, you're, like, one of the biggest leaders here in the fire service in the Valley. And it was, on, it was an honor to sit down with you. And I know you got some... Good guests coming up on your show. Some Stop. This is a like, showstopper right here. Oh, dude, whatever. <laughs> uh, Mike, appreciate you, brother. And I yeah. appreciate your kind words, man. Yeah, Thank no you problem, so man. Much. Love you, buddy. Hey, that's all we got for today, folks. Thank you for tuning in. Mikey, thank you so much for sharing your time with us and sharing some of your talents, your thoughts, your opinions. If you are enjoying the Fireground Fitness Podcast, get on over to whatever platform you enjoy best subscribe and these episodes will drop in the middle of the night when you least expect it also get on over to apple Podcasts, rate and review the podcast that pushes our numbers gives me uh gives us more feedback and pushes this into other people's ears so also feel free to reach out rain gray at firegroundfitness.com if you have any thoughts opinions words of wit or care to share an anecdote or you have an idea for a guest on the show, do not hesitate to holler at me and let me know. In the meantime, take the lessons you've gleaned here today, find a way to impart them into your life, and go on out there and get some.